Hello world, it's Mike Traverso with the Friends That Code podcast, where I get a chance to showcase some amazing people I know that just happen to write code for a living. Folks, today I would like to wish everyone a healthy and happy 2021. I hope this is a great year for everyone. I hope that if your goal is to set out to become a developer or improve your skills, that this is the year that happens for you. Um, today, I don't have a guest, but next week I will be talking with someone who's pretty awesome. Uh, you might have heard of him. But uh, you know what? I'm just going to save that for, <laughs> for next week. Uh, keep everybody in suspense. Uh, but this week, I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome and ways to combat it. But before we get into it, I want to make sure that everyone knows that I am not a doctor. So when I'm talking about some of these things that may evoke some certain feelings and, and potentially uh, depression in folks, I want to make sure that they understand that there are other resources out there for that uh, and not me, some goofy guy on a podcast. And I'll put links to those resources in the show notes. But uh, okay, so what is imposter syndrome? What is it that I'm trying to help you find ways to conquer? Well, imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that your success is deserved or that your success has somehow been illegitimately achieved as though your success happened because you've been lucky and it had nothing to do at all with your hard work. Uh, but to put it more simply, it's that voice in your head that makes you doubt yourself. That part of your brain that disregards every achievement that you've worked hard towards and makes you feel like a fraud. But So why do we feel like frauds sometimes? Well, because as people in technology, what we do is not easy. We work with difficult to understand concepts, new languages, not so easy to solve problems, etc., etc. And all those difficult concepts that we work with are constantly changing. And to prove how good we are, we need to use markers on a whiteboard. That's the worst development environment ever devised by humankind. Uh, developing software is not easy. But despite the difficulty, developing software is in fact what you do. You write code and build apps, small apps, large apps, um, mobile apps, desktop apps, backend apps, whatever it is, you are building software. And those apps work, usually. <laughs> But speaking of writing code, let's get into some of the fuel for imposter syndrome, that voice inside of us telling us that we're not good enough. Every day we write our code in an IDE, be it Xcode, Android Studio, Visual Studio, or whatever else there is out there that you're using. Uh, and as we write our code, our IDEs are telling us all about the warnings and the errors that our work has yielded. Uh, and then from time to time, as we run through our apps, there are bugs revealed to us through stack traces. Uh, these are three things, the warnings, the errors, the bugs, and they can be powerful for forces to impact our confidence and fuel the imposter syndrome within us. And so sometimes you'll see little triangular uh, warning signs or circular error signs or, like I said, bug traces that show up as alert <laughs> alert dialogues, which are the worst. And, and then the other thing, I, you know, I think Chrome does this, where they'll show you a little folder with little X's and a frowny face, which is one of the worst ways to tell a developer they've got mistakes by taking a once happy little folder and showing you that you've now murdered it. Uh, so that's not cool, Chrome team, <laughs> not cool at all. Uh, so, you know, it's, so you see that every day, it's no wonder so many of us feel like we're imposters. It's one small part of that. Uh, our IDEs are constantly telling us how bad we are at our job. And so 
that's not good. Uh, but here's the thing with respect to the bugs, maintenance of code is two thirds or more of the software development lifecycle. So we need to understand that mistakes happen and we should not let them ruin our day. So we need to learn from them uh, so that we can avoid them in the future. And if you really want to be awesome, blog about them, blog about the mistakes that you've made and what you've learned on how to fix them or resolve them. So that way, maybe someone else in the future can see your blog post and read it and, and understand how to fix and solve their problems in the same way so that they uh, don't stumble or work as hard um, fixing their problem as you might have. Okay, more on that later. Uh, so you may be thinking, okay, hey, Mike, how do I not feel like a fraud? How do I stop that voice? Well, I want to say this. You've been enrolled now or you've graduated from a four-year school. And it was really hard to get into, but you did it and you made it through those four years. Or you're enrolled or you're graduating from an intensive boot camp. Uh, and, and it shows you how to master a bunch of different technologies that you, you didn't even know existed a few months ago. Or you taught yourself how to code all on your own. Or you beat out all the other candidates for your current job. So you belong here. And because it bears repeating, you do belong here. Focus on some of those previous successes to remind yourself that by no means are you where you are because of some random chance. Remember that technology is innovation and everything is changing all of the time. So since there's constant change, you can't possibly be expected to be an expert at everything. And you need to understand this and tell yourself this on a regular basis. You can't be an expert at everything. A friend of mine, Nitya Narasimhan, wrote a, an exciting way to look at the world. And I'm going to paraphrase what she's written, but essentially it's you're a beginner at the things you're not an expert in. So enjoy learning how to be better at what you're interested in. That's an exciting way to look at things, right? Don't worry uh, that you don't know something. Don't worry that you're going to look foolish learning something. Let your interest in something new drive you to learn those new things. And lastly, don't be too hard on yourself. Unfortunately, there are plenty of folks out there in our industry uh, that are happy to come down on you when you make a mistake. Don't offer those folks assistance. Go easy on yourself. Please know that we all experience this. No one is immune to imposter syndrome. A short while ago, as a matter of fact, last episode, I spoke with Graham Devine on my podcast. Now, Graham is this awesome game designer developer, uh, and he's been doing it since the 80s and has done some amazing things. You know, he's poured it over uh, pole position to, uh, to Atari. He's one of the people responsible for finding ways to put video games and media on CD-ROMs. He wrote NES games by hacking them into existing cartridges. He's written Doom 2 and Doom 3, Halo Wars, and many other big titles that you've probably played. He's also been giving talks at different events like game developer conferences, um, GDC, as a matter of fact. I've seen him at different conferences. Uh, so when we were talking, he admitted he has imposter syndrome and he still deals with today. And that shocked me that he had admitted that he feels that imposter syndrome too. Because if he feels it, given his illustrious career, you know, what hope do I have of beating this thing? And that's the thing. You're, you're not going to beat imposter syndrome. That voice is always going to be in your head. But it's understanding that it's there and understanding how to tap it down. So at some point, we're all going to have these bad days or bad weeks. It happens. And that little voice starts to make noise. We start to second guess our abilities. Know that it's not just happening to you. Somewhere else, most likely in the same room or in the same Zoom call, there are others dealing with their version of imposter syndrome. So here's some other tips with dealing with those feelings. 
understanding that, that there's nothing wrong with your skills. Recognize that voice when you hear it. Recognizing that voice when you hear it is very important. Identifying it when it happens will help you know that you need to take steps to mitigate the impact. It's almost like, you know, you feel like you're getting hungry, so you need to go uh, and get lunch, right? So it's part of that. Understanding when it happens so that you know you can deal with it. And affirmations. Affirmations, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you've ever felt imposter syndrome, you've experienced these bad kind of affirmations running through your head. And an affirmation is just a, a statement that you hold to be true. Some negative affirmations reinforce negative feelings. Like, for example, I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. These are total bummers and can really set you down a path of despair. And positive affirmations reinforce positive feelings. I'm smart enough for this. I can totally do this. These are inspiring you. Best of all, they tell that voice in your head to shut up. <laughs> and that's what you really need to be doing with imposter syndrome. Identifying the negative affirmations that go through your head every day should be pretty easy. What's happening in your mind that makes you feel like a fraud? What are you doing that inspired some of those negative affirmations to come through? Uh, here's one that I have all the time. As a matter of fact, just a few minutes ago before I started up the podcast, uh, you know, it's I'm a terrible public speaker. I get too nervous. Why do people even want to listen to me? But I can change that. I can even spin it around almost, make it more positive. For example, you know, I've given lots of talks in the past. Uh, it's something I've done before. I can do it again. And folks are usually nice to me uh, in the reviews or when I give a public talk, you know, they're nice to me afterwards. And they tell me how my talk has helped them with something that they've been struggling with. So take a second right now, take a negative affirmation that you've heard in your own head and replace it with a positive one. Now that positive affirmation should make you feel pretty good about yourself or the situation you're in. And if you doubt yourself again, remember that positive affirmation and repeat it to yourself. So let's stay on affirmations for a bit. Start by figuring out three things that make you awesome. Now, this is gonna sound a little corny, right? But give it a try. If you're struggling to come up with three things that make you awesome, you're being too modest. Don't ask a friend, don't be lazy. Really think about this. See the awesomeness within you. Learn to promote yourself. These positive affirmations are just you promoting you to yourself. Because if you're not going to buy what you're selling, why is anybody else? Why would your colleagues, why would your boss? Show yourself some love, you deserve it. Here are my three go-to positive affirmations. I've beaten late stage three cancer twice in my life. You know, I can do that, I can handle some public speaking. I enjoy teaching, especially teaching people how to code, and I'm good at it. I left one software job without a replacement just to be unemployed while learning mobile development, and it's worked out pretty okay so far. Okay, now, we've got some affirmations that remind us how awesome we are when we need that to happen for us. Keeping in mind our own awesomeness when we're confronted with a challenge, we can now reframe the can I do this with how will I do this. Now, let's take a look at the differences in those two ways of looking at how we approach our work or just even our day-to-day. The can I do this sounds a lot like this. Am I going to be able to do this? I can't do this. How am I even here right now? Have I just been lucky and no one's noticed? Is now the time that everyone figures me out? And there's a lot of doubt in those feelings. 
they're void of almost any indication of any past success in almost anything uh, or similar tasks. Well, how do we reframe that, the can I, with the how do I? Well, you have done something similar before. And since this is similar, take what you've learned from before and apply it here and take on this new task with confidence. And maybe you've only written back-end code and now you've got to work on something like a front-end feature. Is it different? Sure, absolutely. There are different SDKs, different languages maybe, but you'll need those same analytical skills that you did when you worked on the back-end code, the same planning skills that you used when you worked on the back-end code. And you see where I'm going with this, right? You've done this before. It's slightly different. So take that success that you've had in the past and use it to fuel yourself for the future. Taking on challenges is exciting. Realize that when you're done, you're going to have learned some new things. Be confident in yourself because you've overcome similar challenges before. So why can't you overcome this new challenge now? Another source of fuel for imposter syndrome can be looking through job postings when you're looking for a job. Seeing these postings that are looking for people with all the requirements that you may not have can be demoralizing. But job postings are always looking for unicorns. And you need to remember, you're not a unicorn. So apply anyways. Oh, what am I talking about, right? Well, unicorns. <laughs> of course you're not a unicorn. So you may already know what I'm talking about. The majestic and much sought after developer. And they know every language. Some languages they know so well that they know them two years before they've even been created. They know DevOps, databases, graphic design, UI, UX, and can even help the company softball team win some games. So <laughs> when I talk about all these things, these skill sets would be something that you see a job spec that would ask a developer to understand and know. Um, and these job specs are littered all over the internet. So for example, I've seen a job specification looking for an iOS engineer. And the post had mentioned that they require someone with experience in agile development. And they littered that fact throughout the job posting about three or four times. A quick proofread would only have that once, <laughs> all right? In that same job posting, I've seen them asking for people who are looking for an iOS position to work with Swift or Objective-C to have experience with promises. Now, Swift and Objective-C don't have promises as part of their language. And within that same spec, I've seen them looking to have that same iOS developer be enthusiastic about continuous integration and deployment. And remember, it's a job spec for an iOS developer. So they want four years of experience for an iOS developer. Uh, and then they want them to be, you know, interested in being a continuous integration deployment expert as well. There's nothing wrong with being a, a, a you know, a developer generalist and having multiple skill sets. Nothing wrong with that. But you should, they should understand you're there to be an iOS developer, not a DevOps person. So a side tip, it's one thing to be a generalist, like I was saying, but it's another thing to be doing two jobs, but getting paid to do one. Lots of times you'll see preferred qualifications. And a lot of the times, these are things that if you had some time to read through a tutorial or even a well-written blog post or watch a YouTube video made by an expert, you'd understand the thing that they'd want you to know and have those quote-unquote qualifications. So don't sweat the job posts. If you think you can satisfy half or more of what they're looking for, apply. Don't let these job specs make you feel inadequate. Apply anyways. 
feel confident that you're not wasting your time, a better way to get jobs without fueling that imposter syndrome. Network, network, network. Finding a job on Monster, CareerBuilder, Indeed, Dice is incredibly tough. You're essentially cold calling businesses, asking them to buy you. This is tough, right? Any kind of cold calling is tough. So how can you get results? Well, I have no idea how you do that, but I do know this. The best jobs that you're going to find are going to be the jobs that someone in your network turns you on to. So networking with folks, establishing meaningful relationships in the community gives you a head start or a foot in the door. This means you're going to need to go to meetups, even if they're virtual, and introduce yourself. Have questions for the speaker afterwards. Reach out to them after the meetup or webinar. Find them on LinkedIn. You know, wink, wink, folks. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. Uh, I'm, I have a pretty nice network uh, of people that I've worked with. And from time to time, they post jobs. And when I know of someone that is in that field or looking for something and I think they might enjoy it, I post that and send it over to them and say, hey, take a look at this. You might be interested in this job. So another thing, if you're running a virtual meetup, try if you can to budget some time to have everyone introduce themselves. It's a really cool way to get the community going and it helps folks really get to know each other. With networking, when life gets back to normal and we're back together again, Remember to introduce yourself to others. Too often we'll sit in a room waiting for a meetup or a talk to begin. and We just sit there. We stare at our phones. We stare at our laptops. We pretend like we're working so we don't have to talk to folks. Well, when you're doing that, you're ignoring all those potential leads for new jobs or new clients that are in the room. Connect on Twitter and LinkedIn. Not Facebook, not Snapchat, not TikTok. Twitter and LinkedIn are the professional social media networks where you can go to look for jobs. Now, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok aren't really meant for that stuff. So you're more than welcome to go and and hang out on those social media platforms. But finding a job there is not going to be as easy as you can on Twitter and LinkedIn. And with with networking, be supportive by reading colleagues' blog posts um, or, or tell them something positive that you thought about it reshare or like their social media posts, be a positive force in the community. Everybody wants to work with that positive person that isn't shy about giving honest praise of their hard work. And now another way to combat imposter syndrome is to keep learning and not get stale. Feeling like you're not progressing along as your colleagues and people you follow on social media progress along is some high octane fuel for imposter syndrome. Join a meetup group. Sign up for a Udacity course. Take advantage of your company's training budget and time. Read up. Whatever way of learning new things is your jam, do it. Pursue your interests and learn more about them. Are you interested in machine learning, but you're a mobile developer? Well, take a class. Sign up for an online learning course. Read a book on machine learning. You won't become a data scientist overnight, but if you're interested in that field, the best way to get into it is to start slowly. A great way to solidify what you know is to teach someone else. If you have to give a talk or write a blog post about something, you're going to be doing two things. Well, the first is that you're going to research the topic as much as possible so that you try not to look like an ass when you're presenting in front of a group of people. Okay. The second is now that you've been writing everything down, whether it's in the blog post or on a slide deck, it means that you're going to have a better chance of remembering it. And if you don't remember it, well, guess what? You've already written it down. So you've got it for later. That's pretty awesome. So stay thirsty, 
stay actively learning new things, and that's going to help you feel like you're doing your part to stay relevant in an ever-changing field, like you're not being left behind. Okay. Another way to combat imposter syndrome is not aligning yourself with your work product. Okay. With your work product, remember, your boss isn't trying to make you miserable. Most of the time, they're not giving you unrealistic deadlines or changing priorities on a whim just to make you miserable. They're doing it because they've got a boss who has a boss who has a boss. You get the idea. And these people deal with requests from the, the VC or, or customers. But when business leaders change direction, and they do it a lot, change with it. Leave previous problems unsolved if it's required. Now, this can be really, a, this, is, this is actually a, a tough skill to, to learn. But, you know, when you've got to walk away from something that you've been working on because a higher priority thing has come up, You've got to just let that other thing go away. How many times have you been in the middle of some task to be pulled away to some other more important task? It's incredibly frustrating. If this happens enough during the course of a time period, it can feel like you're not accomplishing what you thought you could have accomplished. While you may have ideas on how things can be run more efficiently, just remember one, one thing. As long as you're still employed, you're still going to have a paycheck. And whether you're working on task A or task B, your paycheck is still going to show up. So go with the flow. Move on to the next task or challenge with grace. And to my point earlier about not aligning yourself with your work product, try getting yourself a hobby. Okay, reading non-technical books, exercising, woodworking, whatever floats your boat. Become a full person without letting your job define you. And if you can't figure out something or you're truly too busy, just schedule some time to go outside. Stand in the rain or walk in the sun, doesn't matter. Get away from your desk inside and go outside. Vitamin D can be a huge boost to your mood and it can make you feel happy again. And a great source of vitamin D is being outside in the sun. And on that note of detaching yourself from your work a bit, detach yourself from social media as well. Here's an example of how too much social media can stir up some imposter syndrome. Let's say, for example, you just finished a project. And this project required you to put your skills in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript to the test. You're super happy with what you've done, right? You're on a high and all of those feelings of having finished something awesome, they're running through you. And you've been head down on this project and you feel like you've missed out on what's been going on in the world and you try to seek some connection. So what do you do? You open up that social media app that, that you love the most and you say, hey, I'm, let's, let's see what's been going on while I've been working uh, so hard here. And the first thing that comes up is in a clickbaity article with the title, C++ developers earn the most money. Well, this makes you feel pretty lousy because you don't code in C++. So there goes that Tesla, I guess. Okay, you see a tweet, real developers use Linux and Vim. Well, you don't use Linux and maybe you don't even know what Vim is. Does this make you a fake developer? More feelings of lousiness stirring up. And then you've got these, the, the infamous tweet, what's stopping you from coding like this? And this is a tweet that someone put up a bunch of green boxes, their GitHub um, commit history. And they said, why aren't you coding like this? And they had all these different various shades of green boxes for a year. These little green boxes on your GitHub account showing how many commits you've made, that doesn't indicate your worth as a developer, just to say. But seeing this, and seeing someone else having that there, you know, it stirs up more lousy feelings. 
And sometimes you'll even see social media posts where someone questions whether you're a senior developer because you use a mouse or you don't use a mechanical keyboard. And this can really be a bummer. It's demoralizing. You go to social media for fun, for connections, right? But remember, please remember, social media encourages us to compare ourselves to our peers with differing levels of experience than our own and random internet trolls. Did anyone get uncomfortable when I mentioned using a mouse or you know, hearing about green boxes or whether or not use a mechanical keyboard? Well, yeah, anything can be up for second guessing yourself from the languages you know to your OS, and yes, even something as dumb as whether or not you use a mouse. So first things first, stop scrolling. Take long breaks from social media. And second, coming close to dying a couple of times in my life because of cancer has helped me realize something incredibly important. Stop giving a damn about what someone else thinks about you. Take a look around the people you work with, follow on social media, Pardon my French, but stop giving a shit whether those people think of you a certain way, regardless of how great they may be. Now, Disney has a better way of saying this. Hakuna Matata. It's a wonderful phrase, and it means no worries. It ain't no passing craze. <laughs> In all seriousness, stop scrolling. Or better yet, put your phone in a drawer and forget it's there. Or uninstall the apps from your phone. Uh, so that as you don't tempt yourself, uh, be happy with what you're doing. Social media helps us compare ourselves to other people. And what we really need to be doing is comparing ourselves to our own self. Now, comparing yourself to other people is never going to make you happy. But comparing yourself to yourself, say yesterday, last week or last month, or last year or five years ago, that is where you can see how you've progressed and grown. For example, I'll use myself. 10 years ago, I didn't know how to write a mobile app. Five years ago, I wrote the iOS and Android apps for Twitter's developer conference. Four years ago, I wrote an app for a presidential campaign. Last month, I had no experience with a particular part of the iOS SDK. And last week, I shipped an app where I'm using that new framework. So focus on you and what you're doing, not what other people are doing. Are you growing? Are you growing in the direction you want to? So one last bit of advice. Enjoy self-care. If you can't do it as often as you'd like, make a point of scheduling it onto your calendar so that it's blocked off. Now, do I mean go to a spa? Well, maybe. If that's your thing, sure. But do something positive that's not tech-related. Take time to talk to friends. Go for a walk. Read a book. Get your me time in and get to decompress. Too often we're stressed out with crazy schedules and tons of work, and it's not a healthy way to live. And decompressing from time to time can help you get into that positive mood and help keep imposter syndrome at bay. Okay, folks, so I hope some of the stuff that I was talking about on this podcast helps you identify what imposter syndrome is and has helped give you some tips on how to combat it. All right. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you are subscribed, I'd love to hear back from you. You can email me at hello at friends.co.com. Constructive criticism is always the best criticism. Or you can tell me what kind of guests you'd like to hear from in the future. Uh, and with that, 
Tell your friends because next week we'll be back again with another amazing person that I know that just happens to write code for a living. Until then, be well, everyone. Cody.